Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast. I'm senior reporter for the Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. This time, we're talking about marketing to the silver economy. Most markets worldwide now have an aging population, with spending power increasingly gathering with older people. Now, smart brands are recognizing and have already recognized the spending power of that group and are tailoring their products and comms accordingly. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by two experts and practitioners to talk about everything related to marketing to the silver economy. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Richard, for joining us. Thank you. And so, Kristen, could you tell us uh, sort of who you are and what your company does, please? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Kristen Nozell-Bornstein. I'm a vice president of human insights at Known. Known is an integrated data-driven marketing firm based in the U.S., um, and we offer advanced capabilities across strategy, creative, and media. My area of expertise is within uh, consumer insights. So my team and I help marketers really deeply understand their customers and potential audiences and make smart uh, strategic product and marketing decisions that are really grounded in that research. Um, And I think what's fascinating about this topic of marketing to seniors is that it's a cohort that I have had the opportunity to work with, but it's almost as noteworthy sort of looking over the years that I've been doing this, how often it's a group that's excluded from the scope of research as well. So I'm sure we'll get into that as the conversation that's going, but I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Nice. Fantastic. I can't wait to get some of those insights. And Richard, same question. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, I'm Richard Trigg. I am I'm a product experience partner at Tangent. Uh, Tangent is a digital product agency. So uh, we help our clients uh, create websites, apps, and design experiences to reach conversion points. So I guess the piece that comes after, you know, marketing. Um, So, uh, yeah, we're based out of London and Spain. um, And I look after our experience design department. Very nice. Well, absolutely delighted to have the two of you on for this discussion. Kristen, to begin with, as you mentioned, it's been interesting to see how often older people are excluded from conversations around marketing. I've only been at the drum for sort of four or five years. But even back when when I started, I know that this was already something that advocacy groups were, were talking about, the fact that older people are often invisible in marketing. So what does that? where does that lack of representation come from? Yeah, absolutely. So I I think it really is a lack of focus, a lack of attention, and relatedly, both a a cause and an effect of this is a lack of understanding of this demographic. Um, So I think there's a lot of reliance on stereotypes and assumptions when we're thinking about seniors. Um, I think that a lot of people just aren't paying attention or haven't been paying attention, enough attention to the size and purchasing power of this demographic. Um, And I think there's also sort of you know, questions around the desire or ability of seniors to change their behaviors, Mm. to change their purchasing behaviors, um, what they buy, what products they use. Um, So I think that there's sort of that reliance on on those stereotypes um, that really creates this lack of attention. And then we also have at the other end of the spectrum, new young generations that are pulling tons of focus and attention, right? So we have, you know, how many Gen Z reports have we all read or perhaps even worked on? (laughs) Young generations are novel, they're exciting, of course. um, And of course, brands want to establish a relationship with consumers while they're young. So it makes sense, um, you know, to, to kind of focus efforts there in many cases. But I think that that level of focus can sometimes detract from other potentially relevant audiences like seniors. 
See, there's so much there that we can pick up on. I'm fascinated to hear more about this idea that, you know, the perception is that older people are set in their ways. They don't want to change the behavior to, you know, in a way that benefits brands. We we all talk to older people who technically fit that demographic. And I think we all recognize that on an individual level, that's not necessarily the case. So Richard, why are we still talking in these absolutes when we're talking about older audiences? There's a stat that I've got here that sort of came from a, a talk I did a couple of weeks ago before Christmas, actually. And, and I think it's the one that makes you stand up and think, this is a large audience. Yeah, and it's by 2040, nearly one in seven people in the UK is projected to be over the age of 75. And I think there's a perception that this audience isn't digitally digitally savvy, you know, that they, they don't they don't engage with these things. And it's just totally not true. So I think obviously new technologies come out, and there's always the attention on focusing on younger audiences and the new emerging trends, but I think the smart brands are going to realize that this market is huge. Um, and actually, you need to think about how you can meet their needs as well. And from a from a design perspective, you know, we're talking about things here around accessibility mm. uh, and making sure that things are actually easy to use. Language is concise and clear. Um, you know, call to actions and, and content are easy to see and read. And those are all like really solid principles that apply to any market anyway. So yeah, you know, it's it's a smart brand, I think, that realizes the size of this market and makes sure that they're they're paying attention to it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because in the UK, so much of the wealth is concentrated in the hands of older people because of our property market. And yet at the same time, Richard, it does feel like when we're talking about older people, we talk about them as almost to Kristen's point, kind of stayed almost a, you know, for, for euphemistically a reliable cohort who can be, you know counted upon to buy the same thing they've been buying for years. But when we're talking about older people, I'm going to throw this over to both of you. I don't know which one of you wants to take it first. When we're talking about older people, how much do those stereotypes actually reflect the reality? Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's of course, it's important to understand, as with any market, differences and nuance when you're, you know, speaking to, to you know, different, different types of people. Um, I think that What's tricky is that a lot of these stereotypes are simply just outdated, um, you know, to pick up on uh, the thread that Richard started around tech savviness. You know, there there really is has been a sea change over the past you know decade or so in terms of how older people are using technology. It was really accelerated by COVID. Um, those trends seem to be sticking. Um, and so, you know, this is an area I've actually conducted research specifically in this space of oh, nice. looking at, um, tech use with with seniors. And the truth is that this group is really not that far behind old, uh, the younger generations in terms of device ownership and usage, and the gap has been closing. Um, so I've had plenty of conversations with seniors who are tech savvier than I am, of course, <laughs> also with those who are not as, as tech savvy as I am. Um, but as with any group, it's not a monolith, right? There's there's differences. Um, and so I, th I think that we see that, you know, many seniors, my my experience is really um, looking at this in the U.S. Um, so far, but, you know, are not only online, but spending a lot of time online on platforms like Facebook and mm. YouTube in particular. Um, so I think there's, of course, nuances, right? It might be more of like a Facebook usage versus an Instagram, TikTok usage, things like that. Um, so it's important to look at the differences and nuances, but I think relying on the stereotypes is um, really a quick way to be, be very outdated. <laughs> And of course, this is a challenge across the entire marketing industry, no matter who you're talking to. But it sounds like both of you are advocating that we talk to these older generations in on an individual level, rather than just kind of seeing them as this kind of blanket, uh, undifferentiated mass to be marketed to. Yeah, I think it's, you know, when you're when you're coming up with anything new, I would hope that by your process, you are 
testing, testing it, right? You know, be it a campaign, be it, be it a new journey, new product, or whatever. And I've certainly seen it, you know, where these demographics for one reason or not can be excluded. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not necessarily sure why. You know, that's mm. not, not a smart move, right? If you yeah, they as we were saying, they are digitally savvy. Their their voice is is equally powerful, has a lot of weight, and it's important to your success. So bring them into the conversation early, get their opinion and, and get their thoughts on what you're doing. And I think it'll only make it a more rounded, rounded campaign or experience that you're designing. Absolutely. Yeah, certainly. One thing that we do have to acknowledge, though, is that there is still a spending directed specifically towards older generations. As an example, me and my girlfriend have been watching a lot of property shows. I don't want to think about what that says about me and her. But um, at the same time, a lot of the adverts that air on TV are aimed at older people. So we've had like over 50s dating um, ads that keep coming up. We've had a lot of property ads. So to what extent, where are we see, Where are we still seeing advertising rather targeted at older people and which sectors and mediums still focus upon them? There Certainly there are campaigns here and there. I think as industries, I would say um, one that really stands out to me is a fairly predictable one, healthcare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's that's the primary one where, where I see a lot um, that's you know actively focused on seniors. I think um, one thing that I, I think is important to call out is the difference between advertising targeted at older people and advertising that includes older mm. people. And I think um, there's certainly, you know, to your point, plenty of, of the former. Um, I think where we've been seeing shifts um, is more in the latter. Um, so that inclusion of older people, um, an example that comes to mind is the Celine Joan Didion campaign. Um, I think that was mid-teens, maybe 2015 or so. Um, you know, that's that's an example where I wouldn't say necessarily that that campaign was speaking directly to, to seniors, but you did have, you know, an older face represented. Um, and so I think we've been starting to see more of more of the latter popping up as well. And where do you think that's coming from? Where do you think that that shift is originating? Yeah, so this I think is a is a really interesting um, trend to look at, and I think part of it is an overarching trend around diversity and inclusion, and that age is kind of you know one one new element of focus there. Um, so I think you know thinking of of diversity and inclusion in the most inclusive way, right? There's so many different components that you can look at there. Age is one of those. Um, So I think that there's starting to be some recognition around that. Um, I think that there's also um, still a bit of a kind of surprise element, right? We see this on TikTok as well with some of the uh, kind of elderly influencers, right? Um, That are popping up. I think that there's kind of this like surprise and delight that like, oh, wow, someone in their 80s is, is, breaking that stereotype that I have in my head, and, you know, they're, they're, you know, learning the dances or they're, you know, sharing the recipes <laughs> yeah. or they're, they know about the trends that are happening. Right. There's a bit of that surprise factor. Um, so, you know, question is how, how long does that last? Right. If we start to see more of this. Um, but that's, that's something that I've started to, to see more of. It's it's really interesting, actually, and not to plug a rival publication, but I saw there was a, an article on um, the Wall Street Journal earlier today entitled, uh, When Grandma is a TikTok Star and the Grandkids are the Managers. So it's it's sort of this, I suppose, a little bit gimmicky, but potentially it's still actually recognizing the fact that older people do use exactly the same tools that everyone else does. Kristen there was talking about the idea that, you know, we have to be inclusive in marketing, but that goes 
you know, almost behind the black as well. We have to make sure that the the tools we're using are relevant to all the people and are kind of accessible there to your point about accessibility earlier. So when we're going about designing tools, you know, apps, everything that older people now use to just as everybody else does to engage with the world, how do you actually bring older people into that conversation to make sure that it is effective and it is working for them? Yeah. So I think I think there are a number of things to consider. Um and a lot of this again falls out of that accessibility point that I mentioned earlier. You know, it's not that we're all losing control of our, our functions or our, our vision and hearing is, is is necessarily deteriorating to a really extreme level, as you could expect with, with some levels of accessibility and design, but the, the same principles apply, right? You know, our, our vision as we get older undoubtedly gets worse. You know, our hearing can deteriorate and our motor control can deteriorate and we you know have cognitive potentially issues as well some of us may experience mm-hmm. so when you start diving into those things it's about evaluating what you're doing in line with those pillars you know so just simple stuff right thinking about the size of fonts contrast of fonts these are all like really obvious things that you think in 2023 we would be on top of but and yet, say, I have to say, we're not right. It would take me all of two minutes to go out, and I could probably find you a ton of examples of twelve-point fonts, mm. text over images that lacks sufficient contrast on numerous ads. You know, videos. Have you got subtitles? Have you thought about sign language over the top of those videos? And all these type of things, right? But if you actually just start and stop and think about those pillars and evaluate what you're doing from only an advertising perspective you know how you're driving that traffic but then what's happening when it arrives Mm. on your landing page you know on the tool the the product that you're promoting um it's amazing how all the brands still are doing it in all honesty um we did a bit of an audit recently of large e-commerce companies here, here in the uk and found some you know some 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 really embarrassing examples of you know, big furniture stores here, you know, one of some of the biggest brands, you arrive on their site and you, you look at it with a screen reader and there's no alt tags on any of the imagery, images and the experience you get is basically just gobbledygook, yeah. you know, and that's what it's reading back to you. And you know, that, that, that is your front page. Um, so I think it's just such an opportunity for brands to, you know, make this part of their ethos. And you know, if you can do a delivering experience that's great for this audience, they they can be really loyal, um, you know, and I, and I think that that's the opportunity. It certainly is. And and one of the things then to flip that on its head is, which brands do we think are doing this really, really well? So Richard, is there anybody who you think you can flag, you know, as, as doing that and making sure that it is, uh, that they are thinking about their entire cohort and making sure that everything is accessible like that? Yeah, I mean, I guess the point to, to think about is like there are some lots of tools that you can use to, to specifically measure on-site um, experience. You know, like one that we like to use is a tool called Site Improve. Um, that's a good one that gives you feedback in terms of terms of where you can improve. I think when we did this report, we we had a look around several sort of e-commerce brands. Um, you know, and to be honest, some are doing well in some areas. And, and then sort of tripping up in slightly others. Um, we looked at, you know, Tesco's were doing a, a pretty good job from an accessibility point of view. I think uh, Waitrose was one that we found very interesting in terms of scale of typography and so on. They're doing a really, mm. if you go look at that site, everything is actually really quite nicely sized um, for potentially people who, you know, have some more visual impairments. Um, so 
there's pros and cons to a lot of brands. I think it's hard it's hard to get all of it right, um, oh, yeah. if I'm honest. Um, it really is. It's a lot of work. Um, but I think if you just think about those pillars that I mentioned there and then go and have a little look around sites and start evaluating them from them, you, you can find some people who are doing a good job. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, not, not necessarily all, all, across all of them. See, that's that's really interesting. It does speak to the challenge of making sure that you're doing it right and in a way that actually, you know, benefits as many people as you possibly can. But Kristen, Richard there was talking about kind of the commercial and moral imperatives of getting that right. Are there any brands who you think are talking to kind of older generations in a way that is specific to them, but isn't necessarily pandering or in a way that, you know, is in a way that actually makes them feel like they are still at the forefront of brand activity? Yeah, I mean, to to be honest, I really struggle to think of any specific brands that I think are doing a good job here. Mm. Um, I think that it's it's a really ripe opportunity um, that you know brands brands have the opportunity to speak to this audience, and it's white space. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's interesting as well. Both of you have touched upon this to some extent, but when we're talking there about you know who's doing this right and in a way that is you know that we feel is genuinely laudable and also benefits their businesses. Um, I wondered to what extent then when we're talking to older audiences, are digital digital tools picking up the slack? You know, what to what extent is personalization and you know AI kind of driving a change in how we think about marketing to older people? Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe we talk about language quickly, right? And I suppose, mm. you know, there's a lot of uh press at the moment about AI picking up on, you know, writing for us, right? Which mm. is is quite exciting, I think. Um, you know, if you think about we're all guilty, and I'm sure we've seen campaigns or written copy or worked copywriters to write copy that comes back and it's maybe a bit self-indulgent or you know, a bit, a bit too internally focused. That and, that is you know, the <laughs> nicest way you could have put that. Because <laughs> that is 100 you know, percent misses the point. Um, you know, but being able to get that balance between copy that is clear and concise, so it's 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 understandable, especially you know if we're explaining new technologies and explaining things that maybe you know uh, older generations are not so familiar with. Um, I think writing is 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 key there. So I'm still yet to get to play around with with AI in that perspective as much as I want to. Um, but, you know, I think it's something that maybe could be a tool that helps in the future, just to sort of say, hang on, you know, that that word there really, <laughs> it's not as clear as as clear as it could be. Well, yeah. like this is as an alternative sentence. No, definitely, you 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 will absolutely have a chance to play around with AI. It's I assume that this is going to be the year of AI, frankly. So yeah, we'll all be yeah. playing around with it. We went south by Southwest last year, and uh, it was one of the one of the tools that was mentioned in the talk. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I think it's called Synthesia. Oh it's yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting. It's a video AI tool where you can type in a sentence um, you'd like it to say, and then you get what you know honestly looks like a human um, <laughs> just read read that back to you in in video format. Um, yeah, and it's it just looks totally realistic. Um, so I think it's as you say, it is going to be the, the year of AI, and it, it's it's going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, how it helps maybe bridge some of these gaps. Because you know, think from a sign language perspective, you know, that's an area there where actually all of a sudden that could become a really valuable tool where you're doing a marketing campaign. You want to actually add that level of you know, being able to appeal to an audience that needs that support, those type of tools could then give you that um, from just looking at the, the copy and the narrative that, you, that you're saying without actually having to do any more work. And I think that's that's a really nice example of how those type of tools could be used. 
see that that's a perfect explanation of that and uh, we are doing an ai podcast in a couple of weeks so i don't want to i want to give you an opportunity to steal the thunder of the guests so that when they speak i can go uh richard and Kristen already talked about it actually (laughs) so um when we are talking about marketing to older people you know we, we can get back to bringing them into the conversation a little bit but to what extent do you think then that sort of digital tools and personalization are allowing us to do it in a way that feels specific to older people but also is kind of you know not uh not in a sort of pandering way yeah so i i think that this again this is an area of a lot of potential right you know we've talked about how much more tech savvy uh seniors are than we think of them being typically mm-hmm. um and so I, I think that this is an area where brands have the opportunity to lean in to be using all of those tools that help us reach audiences in a personalized way um i i don't know that that's happening um too much yet and i think that that's that's a huge um area of, of potential um especially when we're looking at those platforms like facebook and youtube where we know that seniors are spending a, a lot of time we can we've spoken there about kind of the causes for why older people might ne- be excluded from some of the conversations and some of the solutions to what we think you know whether that be tech or whether that just be approaching people as individuals but i wondered if we could maybe get on to what is the million dollar question for this podcast which is what needs to happen in and around the marketing industry to make it more representative of older people is that a cultural shift is that the extension of existing trends around kind of the individualism of people we're talking to it's a huge question, but Kristen, what do you think is necessary for the kind of the the industry to become more representative of older people? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I really believe it starts with understanding. Um, consumer insights are so critical to break down the stereotypes. Really understand um, this very large and growing group of consumers. Just like any demographic, it's not a monolith. There's so much nuance, right? I mean, just off the top of my head, right? We think about there are grandparents and older seniors who are not grandparents um, or don't don't have children of their own. We, you know, can think of retirees versus those who are still working. Um, We can think of, you know, the type of retiree, right? (laughs) Like the types of of behaviors. Um, And then, of course, there's all of that other, you know, just human uh, nuance and, um, you know, diversity that we see across this group as well. So I think I think it's just so common to think of seniors as this you know, group, this monolith. And and the truth is just that there's so much um, diversity even within within this group. So it's really important to grasp that um, in order to create marketing that's relevant and that resonates. Yeah, certainly. And and do we think it sounds kind of mercenary, but do we think that recognizing the commercial imperatives will actually help brands transition towards having those conversations in a sort of much more open way? I I think it can. Um, And it's actually a shift that I'm starting to see Mm. um, already. Um, You know, most brands, of course, have some efforts in the diversity and inclusion space. I'm starting to see signals that, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, we're kind of seeing those signals um, that there's diversity of age and inclusion of older people um, as part of those diversity and inclusion efforts more than it was in the past. Um, So how I see that show up in my work is in audience targeting, right? Um, That scoping of who's actually included in research studies. Um, And, you know, to Richard's point earlier, it is often the case that seniors are excluded from research. Um, And sometimes that's from very strategic decisions based on the brand and the product and makes complete sense, right? But at other times, it's kind of this arbitrary attempt to focus in. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that that latter scenario 
I'm starting to see that decrease, um, meaning that seniors are included um, unless there's a strong strategic decision to focus on a different age range. Um, so that's that's great because um, that's really where it where it needs to start to get that accurate and um, authentic representation. Absolutely. And, and to your point, I was talking to one of my fellow journalists earlier and the number of pitches we get about kind of um, tools now that are, are specifically designed to bring all the people into the conversation, actually to make sure that you're marketing authentically. It, we've seen a marked increase over the past year, two years. So yeah, I completely agree about that shift. Richard, then I'm going to ask you the million dollar question, but from the kind of the product point of view, what is necessary there in order to bring more older people into the conversation and make sure that the marketing to them is effective, but in a, in a way that doesn't just treat them as disposable consumers? Yeah, so, so I think I, I've, I've got a sort of stat here um, that's from a UN, UN trends uh, report, actually. It's sort of, if you type population 2030, I think you'd be able to find it into Google. And, it, and it's like 85% of adults over the age of 65 use the, use the internet each day, you know, which is, is, a, is a, a large number. And then that that report also also goes on to say that 20, 28% of e-commerce purchases come from senior citizens over the age of 65. And once you start looking at those That's, numbers, yeah. start, it's it's staggering. Yeah, it's UN Trends report, uh, population 2030, if, if you if you search for it, that's where that's where those stats come from. But it makes you think that, well, I know we you know, we wish we weren't all commercially driven in this world, but unfortunately, a lot of we are. Right? That's kind of like a lot of why a lot of brands and companies exist. Yeah. Um, and then there's another opportunity that sits off the back of that. That, um, like I love reading uh, research that comes out of Baymard. I don't know if you guys like obviously are familiar with them, but uh, they've done another really good report recently around accessibility. Uh, I think it's called their like accessibility benchmark report. Again, if you go on Baymard.com and search for it, but you know, they're reporting off the back of that that 94% of um, e-commerce sites are not actually accessibility compliant in the US. So it's it's the opportunity in what needs to shift, I don't think is that much. It's yeah. probably just being aware of these numbers and this opportunity. And, you know, yes, they're going to be pros to meeting a larger, larger audience, as we talked about. But I think from a brand ethos perspective as well, you know, these are all really positive messages. And you could get ahead of the game with just having a focus and a bit of attention on this audience. So I don't think it should be too much to, to make people start sitting up and being aware of this and, and getting a bit of bit of, bit of of momentum behind it. See, Kristen, you were sort of shaking your head in agreement there when he was talking about it not being that much effort. Yeah, yeah, I was I was just going to say, you know, I think that, that it's not only a large opportunity, it's also the bar is low, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, putting putting some effort in this direction can have a, a good amount of payoff because there there is so much white space here. Exactly. I mean, to, to both of your points there, the opportunity cost for not doing that seems unbelievable when you talk about, you know, the figures that you mentioned there, Richard, about e-commerce, you know, proportion of people over 65 who are using it versus the amount of people who cannot yeah. do that because of accessibility issues. That seems crazy to me. Well, it, this might be a leading question based on what we've just said, but as a final question for the body of the podcast, I wondered, um, are you positive? Are you optimistic about the trends that the industry is making to be accessible to all the people and make sure they are brought into marketing in a sort of relevant and humane way. Is that something that you're optimistic about or that you're sort of a realist about? Let's go with you first, Richard. Yes, I am. I am optimistic about it, actually. I think more so than ever over the past couple of years, the companies we're working with and the brands we're working with 
are just taking a much more data and user-centered approach to, to guiding their decision-making. And I think the reality of what comes out of that data is understanding that this audience is out there and they're using your products, they're engaging with your advertising. So the more you dig deeper into that and the more understanding you have, it's harder to ignore. So, you know, I'm starting to see much more of a, a change in a shift into people being more aware of this and putting more focus and budget behind, you know, improving this. So I think, yes, over the ne- next few years, we're going to see a big shift. Fantastic. And, and Kristen, same question to you. Are you optimistic or do you feel like there is uh, a, a more realistic approach to take? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree very much with Richard. I think um, the signals are pointing towards, you know, this trending in the right direction. Um, I think that it's important to be, you know, talking about it. I think, you know, it's fantastic that you decided to host this podcast on this topic. Um, I, I think it's important to be talking about it because also to Richard's points, you know, the awareness is the first step, right? Um, but I, th- I think that signals are pointing in the right direction. People are starting to pay more attention. Um and then, you know, it's working its way into that foundational consumer insight phase, which, you know, then impacts all of the, the product and marketing decisions that follow. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I don't think it's going to, you know, happen overnight, but I'm optimistic. Yes, <laughs> and I think one, one thing that I would add as well, you know, we've been talking so much about the accessibility piece is that I think, you know, obviously, um, age and accessibility are uh, quite closely linked as we've been discussing, but they aren't always linked, right? And I think that accessibility as a topic is another area mm-hmm. that has been getting a lot of attention um, and that we see, you know, a lot of tech companies in particular kind of putting things out there where they're, you know, talking about accessibility and the importance of it and what they're doing in this space, right? So I think that even separately, accessibility is getting a lot of attention and obviously that can have great impact in terms of how how you think about reaching seniors well thank you both so much for that happy end to the to the podcast and for the insights that you provided all the way through i know the listeners will have really appreciated that if they want to get in contact with you and bend your ear about anything that you've mentioned or talk about any of the kind of the specifics that you brought up where's the best place to reach you Kristen? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's Kristen Nozell Bornstein, N-O-Z-E-L-L-B-O-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. Um, and yeah, feel free to, to reach out to me there. Amazing. And Richard? Yeah, also on LinkedIn, uh, Richard Trigg, two Gs at the end. Perfect. Well, thank you both for coming on the podcast. Like you mentioned, there is so much more that we could have spoken about and explored. So we'll make sure that we do another episode related to this in the near future, whether that be spinning off into kind of accessibility or talking again about what it means to bring older people into the conversation. To all the listeners, please do stick around. Go to thedrum.com where we write about all aspects of marketing and the media every single day. That's thedrum.com or you can find us all the way across social media. But for now, Kristen, Richard, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation. Thanks very much for having me. This is, this is a lot of fun. 